of our norm. You can be seated because we're not going to uh, teach uh, in the traditional form of teaching today. Um, we're going to, uh, uh, I'm going to do a little bit of teaching and I think that it's, it's critical and it's apropos that the body of Christ understands that th what the scripture means when he says, and the word became flesh. Can you say that? Say, and the word became flesh. In one sense, it's the idea that Jesus, who was the word, uh, uh, came and was put inside of Mary and was born of, of Mary and in that way he became flesh but if you a closer study of what the scripture is trying to teach us he's not trying to necessarily teach us that the word became a human as much as he's trying to show us that the word became usable in our circumstance and there should never be a word of God that happens in your life that you can't use in your circumstance amen because Jesus has an answer. I'm going to say that again. God has an answer. I'm going to try that one more time. God has an answer. God has an answer. He has an answer to your spiritual need, to your natural need. Some kind of way, God just figures out a way to have answers. I am going to do a series beginning today called The Escape Room. Will you shout that after me? Shout Escape Room. Say that loud. Shout Escape Room. I want to do a series called Escape Room. How many of you have ever been in an escape room? You played the game, tinkered around the game. Well, what an escape room is, for some of you that don't know, it's, um, it's a room, it's like a, a puzzle, and it's a room that they put you in. It looks like a normal room. It could be the form of a bedroom or the form of a, a kitchen or the form of a dungeon or the form. It's a, it's a game that once you're put in this room, they leave clues for how to get out. The whole object of the game is to get out of this room by, before a, an appointed time. It's called an escape room. And in this room, this normal room, there are tons of clues that you and your team have to find and figure out in order for you to get out of one room and escape it and go into another room. Well, there, the reality of it is, is that life sometimes puts you in a room like an escape room but it doesn't tell you how to get out of these rooms. And too often, we're just stuck looking for clues of how to escape life, and we spend our whole life in an escape room without ever escaping. So today, and over the next few weeks, I want to discuss and I want to talk to us about the escape room because there is a way out of every room that you feel like you're locked in. Does anybody feel like they're locked in a room, some kind of space, some kind of emotional disposition, some kind of financial condition? There is a way of escape by the word of God. And the church said, amen. amen. There is a word of escape. So I, today I want to deal because uh, this is a month that is many months. It is uh, breast Cancer Awareness Month, which we'll celebrate. It is Clergy Appreciation Month, which we'll talk about later. But it is also Mental Health Awareness Week and Month. And today I want to talk about escaping depression. Somebody shout, you can get out. I want to discuss esca de escaping depression. Now, depression is not, uh, it's not an overly complicated idea. It's just a prolonged season of sadness. It's prolonged sadness. It is length upon length of sadness. Sadness robs you of the joys that operate and that happen in life. I want to read you a couple of scriptures. We're not going to put them up on the board, but if you have your pencil and paper, this is one of those Sundays that I want you to grab your pencil and paper out, all right? Uh, or if you do, take your notes on phone. Listen to Psalms 143 and 7. David says this to the Lord. He says, answer me quickly, Lord, because my spirit is failing. He said, do not hide your face from me or I will be like those that will go down or spiral into a pit. He's not talking about people that go to hell. He's talking about that, that dark hole that sometimes we spiral into. He's like, God save me because I'm slipping into depression. That's what he said. Moses said this uh, in Numbers 11. He said, God, I can't carry all of this by myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, just kill me all right Jeremiah said it like this why did I ever come out of the womb you ever felt like that you ever had a moment a season in your life where it was like God it's just I don't even know what 
Why, Jeremiah said, why did I ever come out of the room? Is it just to see trouble and sorrow and end my days in shame? All right. So Proverbs, Proverbs 12 and 25 says this, that anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. And anxiety, that word weighed down, the, the, the phrase weighed down is a Hebrew word shakak, which means depresses. Anxiety depresses the heart anxiety makes the heart go into depression I want to talk to us about depression I know don't nobody in this room like to talk about depression I know not many people want to deal with depression sometimes depression is a mythical thing in certain cultures and in certain people groups but depression is real somebody shout is real said depression is real almost everybody in this room has in one space or time or moment of their journey dealt with depression as a matter of fact the adaa says that 18 percent of americans that are 18 and older have been affected by depression that is almost a quarter of the room of the people in this room are dealing with depression now stay with me because if 18 percent and we use 16 degrees of separation as our mark. That means that every person in this room, 100% of us, is connected to or are the person that is dealing with depression. You know somebody if you're not it. But 18% of us are it. Dealing with prolonged seasons of sadness. Prolonged. Now, everybody has some seasons where we're sad and some seasons where we're not happy, but it's prolonged. It is, it is these ideas that I can't find joy for any sustained moment of my journey. This is considered depression. I want you to look at this statistic real quick, that 37% of those 40 million Americans will not receive treatment. Or excuse me, will receive. Only 37% will receive treatment. That means that almost, almost 53% of the people that do not, that do rather have uh, depression, don't go get treated for it. That's a high number. The majority of the people that have depression do not go get treated for depression. Only 37%. So of the quarter of the room that has, uh, that has depression, only 37% of the part, that portion of the room will actually go and receive treatment for depression. That, for, for many different reasons. The pro, I could have put a list on its own for the reasons why people don't go to seek help for depression. But there were two that stuck out to me. One is cultural tendencies. One is cultural tendencies. In other words, it's not okay for you to go around your people group and talk about having depression. It's not okay for you to go around your family clan and tell them that, man, I can't shake the darkness. I can't shake the sadness. It's not okay that you can't sit with your spouse and tell your spouse that I'm spiraling and I, and I feel like I can't get a grip on it. So that's one reason, is that we don't have safe places where we can go and discuss depression because to some of us, depression is a character issue. And depression is not a character issue. I want you to hear what I'm saying. Being sick is not a character issue. Not admitting that you're sick could be. Y'all missed that. You missed that. You missed that. Being sick is not a character issue. Having an issue and not wanting to deal with it potentially could be a character issue. The other reason that blew me away was religious issues. A reason why we never discuss and talk about or admit to depression is because you ain't saved enough because God wouldn't let the cloud hang over you. You haven't been down at the altar enough. Lay your hands, let somebody lay hands on you. It should be able to disappear overnight. And while sometimes God does operate very miraculously, religion is another reason why we feel like some kind of way you wouldn't listen to me as a pastor if I told you that I battle with depression. You wouldn't want to honor me at Sunday school class if I told you I battle depression. You would not want to allow me to be your lead deacon or your head usher or to serve you in any capacity of authority if you knew, if you knew I had depression. Because I think that you think that if I admit it, I have admitted weakness. So we suffer in silence. We hurt by ourselves. 
we spiral with no one knowing we're spiraling because we're good at dressing it up and we're good at looking the part and we're good at saying all of the right things when in reality we go home alone or worse we're around of a lot of people and still feel alone am I talking to anybody in here I want to help us with depression somebody shout depression depression is a silent killer depression will gnaw at you from the inside out from the middle of your brain out to the outward parts of your hands depression is that thing that for whatever reason it's got such a stigma on it that we don't like to preach about it talk about it and then we do preach about it we throw the music and the and the the the, the theatric of church about it instead of slowing it down and say let me get in your face with this word and let's talk about depression because depression is killing your joy Depression is messing up your marriage. Depression is ruining your friendships. Depression is killing your personal self-esteem. Depression is killing what you can produce and operate with in this world. Depression is a thief. Watch this. Here we go. Check this out. Um, people with anxiety disorders are three to five times more likely to go to the doctor. Let's stay there before we finish that. Three to five times. There is a quasi-hypochondriatic kind of connection between people that, that are depressed. People that operate in depression are more likely, whether it is for the actual illness or not, to be sick. They always at the doctor for one reason or another. Always at the doctor. Oh, I think I'm having to go to the doctor. Oh, I'm not feeling good. Go to the doctor. Oh, my headache. Go to the doctor. They always, three to five times more likely to just spend lots of time and money being in a doctor's office. And if we complete that sentence, more likely to be hospitalized for issues that may or may not be related to their depression. There seems to be a connection to this hypochondriac sy sy syndrome, this idea that I'm always perpetually sick, that because my shoulder hurts, it must mean I got cancer in it. That because my stomach hurt, I must have an ulcer. That because I'm a little lightheaded, that must mean that I got a brain aneurysm. You, you know people like that because they always calling you to take them to the, where you at? The doctors. <laughs> What you doing? I'm at the back, my blood pressure. And the doctor, he, they, you know, they throw the little cuff on you, tell your blood pressure up a little bit, and then they send you home. Right? That's, these are facts about depression. These are facts about depression. 18% of us in this room are dealing with depression. Almost every person in this room knows somebody that is if we are not it ourselves. This is critical. Here are some symptoms for depression. These are the lighter symptoms. I'll talk to you about some more symptoms at the next slide. These are lighter symptoms. Just a general lack of motivation. Just, you know, I can't hardly see me getting up and doing a whole week's worth of work. Or I'm, I'm short-sighted in my purpose. and I just, I'm just not really motivated to do a whole lot of things. What does your destiny and your future look like? I'm not really in that space right now. Lack of motivation. Difficulty making decisions. Now, I'm not talking about, the, on average, the average human being makes four to five decisions every hour of the day that they're awake. Every hour of the day, we make four to five decisions that impact our lives. But we're not talking about decisions. Am I decisive about, uh, am I indecisive about things that, that are relatively significant to the idea that I've got, you know, 40, 50, 60 decisions I have to make during the day. But basic decisions, like... I want to get out the bed and go to work. That's just, that's generally the first decision most of us make in the morning. Let me get up and get about my day. But a person that's dealing with depression has difficulty making that decision. Driving to work and just like, should I go in? I'm just going to turn around and go back home. I'm just, should I, I'm not feeling like, I'm going to go to the doc. I'm going to go to the doctor. Just simple decisions, simple decisions. I go pick up my child from school. I'm just going to call somebody and have them do it for me. Might be a symptom of depression. Low self-esteem. But not just any kind of low self-esteem. It's the kind of, the, the kind of low self-esteem that any type of slight can take you all the way there. Any kind of just so, such low self-esteem. Any kind of slight. Do you like my dress? Ah, you know, I think green looks better than blue. Oh, God. Oh, God. 
just it, low self low, I don't know if I can do that I don't know if I should do that hey I'm going to give you the promotion I don't really want that kind of responsibility Cause I, not because you don't want that kind of responsibility you don't think you deserve to have that kind of responsibility are you hearing what I'm saying low self esteem these are symptoms of depression and there are people in this room that exhibit this regularly guilt guilt unshakable guilt every human being these are natural it's natural to have a lack of motivation but you should snap out of it it's natural to have difficulty decision making in certain moments of your life but you should snap out of it it's natural to not feel your best but you should snap out of it when it's off the range is when we get concerned so guilt is is a thing where if you do something wrong you feel a little guilty about it but 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 i i should not have a prolonged suffering making myself suffer for relatively insignificant activity I come to your house and you invite me to my house I knock the cup off the table I break the glass I am sorry but guilt makes me say man I'm gonna buy you another cup will you forgive me do you forgive me and when I show up with a whole new set of cups because I realized it wasn't just one cup I broke it was a part of a 12 cup set so here's our 12 cups for you and here are the plates and here are some more forks because I'm so sorry I feel horrible it's great all right cool but now we three four months later and when I tell the story about my friend I start the story self-depreciating myself by telling that time when I broke the cup guilt just, just, it's just overweight guilt, and then irritability. Now, I'm not now again off the range with irritability. Everybody get on somebody's nerves at some time, so you're not depressed because somebody gets on your nerves. But everybody, everywhere, <laughs> your, your fuse can't be short all the time <laughs> irritability is a symptom of they're getting on my nerves down at that church they're getting on my nerves down at that job I'm, I promise you one more time if this child get in this car screaming I'm going to send him back in that school I'm, and then you become short with yourself short with yourself depression depression and all of this creates more sadness that robs you of the joy that is necessary to operate in this life. And as joy is being taken away and sadness is being put in, you start to move into a space that we call depression. Those are common basic symptoms. Here are some more severe symptoms. Anxiety. Oh man. The, the anxiety is not always, I don't know why we always do the heavy breathing and the breath with anxiety because that's not always, anxiety could be fidgety. Anxiety can be, I can't focus. Anxiety can be, it could deal with your breathing. Anxiety can be a nervous feeling. Anxiety can be, you know, it's just all these things that are associated with the most. These are symptoms, high anxiety, certain times of the year, particularly for some of those of us that have lost loved ones, certain time of the year can just kind of, make you tank because it's his birthday it's our anniversary we would have been 40 years this year are you following what I'm saying yeah. suicidal thoughts suicidal thoughts reoccurring thoughts that the world is just better without me that the children will probably be better without me. My, my wife, she don't really need me. This world would never miss. Suicide, somebody told me in between services, suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. It's just a permanent solution to a temporary problem. And I said, but what if depression doesn't feel temporary? He said, that's why they make the decision, because they do not know that there's a way out. If you're female... Uh, you are three to five times more likely to deal with depression because depression is, is a hormonal situation and you have more hormonal uh, ranges than men have in general. So if you're a female, you should keep your eye on changes in your menstrual cycle. You should keep your eyes on changes, particularly for those that are not menopausal at this stage of your life. You should not be exhibiting and expressing um, uh, irrational um, uh, activity in that department of your journey. It's important that you keep your eyes on your body. 
Watch your body. Do not overplay your hand. Oh, it's just because I'm going through a tough this or ah, this is just the way my, my, my family, all of us are irregular. Be careful with the old wives' tales that hormonal issues are oftentimes passed down. Sometimes, many times, they are not. Amen. Disturb sleep. Now, sleep is, is, is it's important that you understand why sleep is important and why the doctors put sleep as a, being a portion of, uh, of, a, of an example or a common symptom that is directly connected to depression. You have to understand why God gave us sleep. Sleep is, uh, it, sleep is the way that your body regenerates itself. When you go to sleep, God gave us sleep so that our cells can reduplicate without you using them up while they're reduplicating. It's so that they can heal themselves so that your body doesn't use them up as they're healing. It's so that your hormones can level themselves out. Sleep is the place where God heals you without you resisting and fighting. When you don't sleep, you are fighting your own healing. When you don't sleep, you are fighting the doctor. When you don't sleep, have you ever taken a child to the doctor and the doctor's getting ready to give them the immunization shot and they're like, no, no, I don't want what's going to heal me. When we don't sleep and just say, I, I never really sleep, you've got to keep your eyes on your sleep patterns because sometimes there's so much going on in your head, so much happening in your heart, inability to focus that, you can, that, that your body will, will, your brain will say, well, when there's least activity happening in Terrell's life is generally when he's asleep. So I'll go and come to the surface while he's asleep because he doesn't have to deal with the church. He doesn't have to deal with the kids. He doesn't have to deal with the family. I'll get him while he's asleep. And instead of being dealt with while they're asleep it's robbing me of sleep and in the robbing me of my sleep he is robbing me of my healing and depression is the thief that will sneak in your mind at night and rob you of your opportunity to be made whole am I talking to anybody in here well, Pastor, I'm just not, a, you know, I'm going through some stuff. If you look up and you three, four, five, six nights in a row of not having sleep, you better start asking yourself some questions, especially if you're a sleeper. Final thing is physical pain. We touched on that a little bit earlier. Physical pain, depression to make your hips start hurting. It just does. It just does because in your head, there's something already wrong. And every ache and pain says that, oh, it's worse than what it is. I must have gout. I must have gout. Everything in my, it must be, it must be, it must be stomach cancer. Let me go to the doctor. There are three basic types of depression that we all, uh, uh, that we operate in. The first type is clinical depression or what the doctors call major depression. This is, it's, it's, it's it's the idea of all of those symptoms that I gave you and then some are given for over a two-week period of time in your journey. If you start experiencing these for two, three, four weeks at a time, a month at a time, you can't come out the spiral. You can't shake the dark cloud. You can't get the shades off of your eyes and your heart. When you start, look, start looking up, and it's not just a one or two day, three day kind of pattern, it becomes a two week, three week, four week kind of pattern for some people depression will rob them of 10 hours of a 24-hour day it'll rob them for four days out of seven day week it'll rob them for three weeks out of a five-week month rob them of seven eight months out of a 12-month year you look up and at the days of the cloud being over your eyes and you realize I have not been happy at all I have not and what does that mean and what does that say and what is and how do we cope with that from moment to moment to moment you are clinically you will be clinically uh, uh, diagnosed with having clinical depression or major depression if that has persisted for over two or three weeks they have a, a milder version of that called chronic or mild depression that's just a lesser period of time it happens three days at a time it happens one day at a time it happens two days at a time most of the people in this room has have experienced what they call mild depression 
Most of us have experienced what they call mild depression. I tell the story all the time about my bout with depression. I, f- I found myself in a situation because I'm generally a jovial, happy, super happy guy. And, and for the most part, depression is not something that ever comes to my doorstep. But I found myself in a critical and crucial period of my life where I was really struggling to, to make sense of things that was happening in my life. And I started to notice first and foremost that I could not concentrate. I start to realize, man, I'm struggling to concentrate, struggling to focus, but, but I know how to hone in and I know how to concentrate. And God knows that I know how to put a sermon together in a matter of about 30 minutes. So nobody will ever know. Then my thumbs start twitching. I think I told one brother at the church, that, man, I'm going to go get my thumb checked out because whenever it feels like it, it just starts twitching. It just starts twitching. I didn't think much of it because the thing that makes me me is the fact that I can endure a lot of pain. And and there was at one time in my life I would be celebrated for the pain that I could endure. So just suck it up and be a man. Get to your responsibilities. Take care of your family. Take care of yourself. Take care of all this hurt that you have down on the inside. Don't deal with it. Just work and plow your way through it. Preach your best sermons. Teach your best messages. Let your thumb tick. And God some kind of way is going to make it okay. And then one day I went to a funeral and I was standing behind the podium and my legs started twitching and it was the first time that it made me nervous because I could massage and stop my thumb I couldn't stop my foot and I was standing behind the podium and nobody could see it and I was a little bit nervous and I only had three minutes to talk so I was sharing my little deal and giving honor to God and to everybody and to the pastor and to the row and to the deceased and we let it out and I give God blah, 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 blah. and I started to think to myself that something is not right Instead of going to my seat, I walked out, I picked up the phone, I made a phone call to a clinic. I had the, uh, the NFL gives us this opportunity to get ourselves uh, um, tested from top to bottom, inside to out, skeletal to emotional to mental. I said, I need to be there at the first time I can because I can't stop my body from ticking. They say, okay, get up, go down. You know, I went to Nevada. I spent two days in Nevada. After I got through taking all my tests, I went and I sat in a chair talking to the lady. She says, so tell me what's going on. And, and after having spent three years of not shedding a tear over my brokenness and my pain, as I started to tell her what was happening within the first seven minutes, I was crying like I was four. Now, I'm too tough to cry. Y'all know that, right? Okay, now you understand how big that is. Like, that's such a big deal for me. I'm tearing up, and I'm trying to tell this lady, look, look I don't know you, and I'm sorry for, you know, all this on your, let me get that tissue, and, and, you know, and just give me the box. I need the box. And, and I'm trying to tell her, you know, this is what's happening in my life, and this is what's going on in my journey, and this is what's in there, and this nasty, that's nasty. And I'm, but, you know, but, but don't leave yet. I ain't done. I ain't done. I'll start, I'm giving her the whole shebang. I'm come. I'm watch this. I thought I was giving her three years, but what I was really giving her was 33 years. Because the only person that could move me to emotions was God in worship. I never let life move me to emotion. I never gave myself over to the pain of the journey. I never gave myself over to the sacrifice. I never gave myself over. And now I was at a breaking point of my life and I was sitting in her room saying, I just want the tick to stop. I want to be able to focus again. I hope it's not the concussion issue. What's going on in my life? And she sat there and gave me the best medicine that I could use for my situation. I needed to talk. She let me talk. She didn't judge my talking. She didn't try to fix it. She just let me talk. And I said, I just need to walk out of here. And if, if I could lock you in this room, I'll just lock you in this room because I don't want you telling nobody what just happened this last hour and 45 minutes. And not only am I going to lock you in this room because I don't want anybody knowing that I had to be weak before I got strong. I don't want anybody knowing I had to be weak when I got strong. I was so bad at one point, my brother drove down from San Francisco because he said, man, dude, why are you not answering your phone? I said, I just talked to you. He said, yeah, it was four days ago. It was four days ago. I didn't realize it. She said, Mr. Fletcher, this is what you're dealing with. She says, you're not chronic. You are not, uh, you're not major depression. She said, but you're dealing with what we call episodic depression. She said, what you're dealing with is what we call periodic depression. She said, you're going in and out, at, you know, at three-day increments, two-day increments, and then you're straight for a couple months, and then you have, then when you think about it too much, you start going through your journey, and this was the journey that I was having, but guess what? I was still preaching good. I was still hanging with my friends. 
I was still, I was leading, but I was bleeding. Are you following what I'm saying? Are you following what I'm saying? And I kind of grew up in the era where you didn't really go talk about depression. You just went to the altar and let somebody lay hands on you. And then you were supposed to leave and everything was going to be okay because you came and you gave it to Jesus. And then I realized that when I would go back home that it, it, it felt like Jesus left me by myself because now I'm in this room and I don't have friends and it's dark and nobody's here to help me and nobody's here to cloud, to drown out the noises that are happening in my head and heart. And what am I left to do other than lay down and for me go to sleep? Time to get up. Don't feel like it. Pastor Bill, you do Bible study for me? Got you, Pastor. You good? Yeah, I'm good. I got to go to the doctor. <laughs> this was the journey. And the reason why I tell you this journey is because I don't want anybody in this room thinking that you, that, that you are so together that this can't come and knock at your door. I don't want anybody. This is what she told me to do. While I was crying, she told me, she said, take a deep breath. And every time you take a deep, every time you let out the breath, say it's going to be all right. I said, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. She said, aren't you a pastor? I said, yes, I'm a pastor. She said, say your favorite verse. I said, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things through Christ. I, this is really stupid, silly little exercise that made me feel great. <laughs> a little stupid exercise. I said, this is so corny. This is so Seinfeld-ish. Like, what am I like? I'm a Cosby Show kind of cat. Not you know, I'm a Martin kind of guy, really, actually. But you know, they a little more, more raunchy than, you know, but that's a whole other story. And this, uh, I can do all things through Christ. That was a blessing to me because I was showing typical signs. But there's a third kind of depression called atypical depression. And there is no particular set of symptoms that is connected. In fact, the reason why they call it atypical is because they're not typical you show the exact opposite of all of the normal ones. And that's one reason why we don't diagnose it. Because with atypical, you have an increase in appetite, not a lessening of appetite. You gain weight instead of lose weight. That sleepiness or excessive sleep is, is even though it's germane to both, it is, it's, it's, with, it's with what they call a marked fatigue, of a tiredness you can't shake all day long. You just wake up, you didn't get enough sleep at night even though you slept 10 hours and then when you get up and get moving, you're still tired. Am I talking to anybody in this room? You're still exhausted and you get up and go through your day just to get back to the bed. Weakness, reactive to environment. That's, and the reason why we say reactive to environment, this is connected, you know we're entering into the highest highest season of the year of reported symptoms of depression the holiday time the highest one we're entering into Thanksgiving and Christmas season and entering into the New Year's are the highest reported uh, cases of depression almost every year this is the time where we miss family or we remember grandma's not with us or remember daddy's no longer here or remember brother dear it's going to be it's not, not going to be the same or the family is fractured and is broken and we just dip ourselves into chronic and mild depression but also extreme sensitivity to rejection that rejection can make you spiral and make you almost feel like killing yourself because when you're in an escape room and you don't know your way out for somebody to tell you no because in your mind you think the only way that I can get to my next level is with a bank loan and then when somebody says no to the bank loan, you're like, I'm out of ideas. I don't know how to escape. Or somebody tells you that the only way I can get set free is by, by the bishop laying his hands on me. And after he lays hands on you, it doesn't work. And you're figuring it out like, well, how do I get out? Or, or you think that, that somebody telling you that you're handsome or that you're nice is what's going to put the air back in your lungs. And when they don't give you that, rejection will make you feel like there is zero hope for me. Zero hope. The scriptures that I read to you were guys that looked like they were in, they thought that they had no hope at all. The writer says, why did you bring us out here? Why don't you just kill me if you're going to give me that, if you're going to, if you're going to leave me with this burden? 
Another one says, I feel myself spiraling into the pit. I feel the dark cloud coming. I feel like there is no way out. I'm falling down and it put like, it feels like they put grease on the side of my slide and I can't stop my slide. And before I realize it, I'm going to withdraw from who I love and withdraw from what I love and withdraw from the things that I enjoy doing and withdraw from the world that's around me. I used to get joy from it and now I don't get joy from it. I know that I should love this, but it's just not doing it for me. Am I talking to anybody in here? These are symptoms and signs of depression. But there is a way out. And you should give God a hand praise on that. There is a way out. There, God said this in his word. That with every temptation he has made a way of escape. The answer is in that room somewhere. The answer is in that room somewhere. God will never leave you in a place where he does not provide it a way for you to escape that place. The writer said in the book of, of Psalms, he said, God, if I wake up in Sheol or hell, you will be with me. He said, there is no place that I can be where I can get away from your presence. So if I end up in the good place of my life, you're going to be there. If I end up in hell, you're going to be there. Watch this. If I find myself in the Depression, God is there. You are not alone in depression. And the church said, you are not alone in depression. But, but you will never defeat an enemy you're unwilling to confront. You'll never win a fight if you never show up to it. I looked that lady in my face when she told me that I had depression. And I said, you got to find another word. Why? Because I'm a pastor. And I don't get to be in depression. That's number one. Pastors don't get depressed. That's A. Number two, you got to understand, I'm the toughest guy in the world right now. And I might be a little down, but I ain't depressed. And three, I'm black. You know that don't exist in our community. You know that's something we don't get to talk about in our neighborhood. We don't ever, are you kidding me? I can't go to my grandmother's house and say don't joke with me like that because I'm depressed. said you better better figure out a way to deal with all them because you got it buddy <laughs> you got it the three ways that I want you to see that you can that you can get out here's the first way uh, and, and I want to show you these by the word of God the first way is getting out or escaping through God's word I'm having to uh, help me with the pen um, shift over there we go God's word the Bible says this watch this uh, when I said earlier about Jesus being the manifesting himself in flesh the idea of the word becoming flesh was a greater idea than Jesus just becoming a man it was a greater idea than just the hypostatic union of being God and man it was greater than just the coming from the, the virgin uh, birth while all of those things are true it is also God's message to us that the word the word of God the remedy that is found by the Holy Spirit the remedy that is found by God the remedy that is connected to God has to become usable Jesus becomes believable when he puts on flesh he becomes someone that can be tangibly touched by God we could tangibly be touched by God when he puts on flesh and becomes man just like us so the God so what God is saying is that everything that is related to God and the word of God it has to be usable to us the people that are to benefit from it because if he's so highfalutin and not so spiritual that we cannot ascertain grab understand or apply it then what is the use of having it it's like having a medicine bottle that you can't open it's like having an asthma attack and you don't know how to get the contents out of the inhaler Jesus said I didn't come just so that I could be present with you but not usable to you he says, I am the, I came so that I, and I made it easy for me to be accessed. And this is what he's saying. So healing is in the word of God. I want you to understand that God has a word as it relates to depression concerning our lives. And the church said, 
James 5 and 15 says that, that if you're sick, you should go to the elders and the prayer of faith will save those who are sick. The prayer of faith will save those who are sick. That is important because God is saying that if we believe in faith and pray in faith that he will heal he will save us from the room that we feel like we can't escape that's powerful because when you are falling into depression faith is the last thing that you can do I believe that that's one of the tactics behind the spirit of depression is to make you feel like faith isn't working for you it draws you further and further away from what you say you believe and the further you get away from it the less it looks plausible for it ever happening in your life until we fall into despair where we say it's not going to happen maybe I missed what God was saying it's, it's not who I it's not going to be what I believed that it was going to be I'm not who I thought I was going to be that's what it does that's why you got to have some people around you that can hold the banner of faith when you're falling away from it you got to have two or three folks around you that can pray for you when you can't pray for you. Amen. That will believe for you when you can't believe for yourself. Because there is healing if we can get somebody that's praying in faith about the healing for our lives. And God sometimes does miraculous things. He'll lift the cloud in the middle of your prayer. He'll lift the cloud after the laying on of hands. But other times, God, because of the prayer of faith, he starts creating natural strategies in the earth to work their way towards your house. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at the word of God in Isaiah 53. And by his stripes, you have been healed. By his stripes, you have been healed. I really want that to be 2 Peter. 2 Peter says, and by his stripes, you were healed. See, you got to see the difference. The reason why I want that to be 2 Peter and not Isaiah is because Isaiah, Jesus hadn't come yet when Isaiah. And he actually doesn't use the word have been. He uses the word, and by his stripes, we will be. You are. He's looking at the cross. Peter's on the other side of redemption of the cross. And he's saying, and he uses the word, I have been. He says on the cross healing happened, on the cross healing, and I'm on the other side of the cross. It's not on its way to me. It already is for me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you get to declare in your space when you do your... By his stripes, I'm already delivered. By his stripes, I'm already healed. By his stripes, God, you provided healing before I got here. You did it on the cross. I am post-cross. And I thank you, God, that you have healed me already. And you're just making a way for healing to get to my life. Healing doesn't have to be created for my depression. It's already created for my depression. And all I have to do is find my healing in this room so I can escape Look at, the, look, at the, look at the next thing. The next way out is medication. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Before y'all start judging, look at me. Medication. And there are a lot of people that will judge in the body of Christ. They know, oh, you don't should be taking medication for depression. You don't be taking medication for depression. All you got to do is leave that woman and you'll be fine. All you got to do is leave that man and you'll be fine. All you got to do, and, you, and they don't understand that depression is oftentimes not linked to a particular person. Depression is not an environmental thing only, it is oftentimes an internal thing. And it is a hormonal imbalance that starts to take place. And if you are insistent on dancing, shouting, pleading the blood, crying out to God, and eating hyper-hormonal foods regularly, if you are committed to living in the stress environment that you're committed to, if you are committed to not looking inside and asking God, what are the things that are happening in my world to create these imbalances in my brain and in my head? See, here's the thing, is that unfortunately, we have a real difficult time taking medicine for our brain. But half of y'all, if I asked you to shake your purse... All them blood pressure pills be just all those diabetes pills. Y'all ain't are you hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes, look at what the Bible says. Sometimes medicine is the miracle. All right, I'm talking to y'all in the balcony. 
sometimes the miracle is that God put it in somebody's brain to create a chemical compound to help regulate the chemical compounds in your body so that you can live a normal life. A joyful heart is good medicine. What did I tell you about depression? Depression steals your joy. It takes away joy and replaces it with sadness. And it says that a joyful heart is good medicine. And God is saying that sometimes that if you can regulate your thinking or your mind, rather, and the hormones in your body, you can, you can fight off the sadness by having a heart that's full of joy. I don't know why we feel like, oh man, that if you take medication that you're high. You're not high, any higher than you are when you take your blood pressure medication. <laughs> I'm teaching. It's better than y'all saying amen. I don't want nobody having me walking around here high like, who had bewitched you with that lie? People that take medication for, for depression are not walking around high any more than you're walking around high because you took an aspirin to stop your headache. If you take too many of any of them, you might get high. But look at what Paul tells Timothy. He says, don't just drink water, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. Now, you got to understand that because wine was not the same wine that they would use at a party. It's the same wine he was talking about right here. But he was saying that if you take it in moderation, you won't get high. It'll heal you. Because Timothy, if you understand who Timothy is, Timothy had, had, had a lot. He was a sickly child, and he always was just always had something going on. And Paul told him, he says, hey, man, why don't you take some medicine and get your life together? Luke 10 and 34, and he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. This is a good Samaritan. He finds the guy who's broken and who's sick. The Bible says that he took him, and oil and wine was a compound mixture that they used for medication. And then he set him on his animal, and he brought him in to the inn, and they took care of him. He set him his animal, got him some rest. It's a way out. Medication sometimes is a viable tool for an individual that needs to have imbalances regulated and you're not sinful and you're not not close to God and you're not a person who is losing ground in your spiritual walk because you have chosen this route now you got to understand something about medication now is that medication was never meant for you to live your whole life on it either can I help the church can I help the church it is never meant for you to live your whole life on it. Medication is kind of like the bridge between two seasons of your life. And if I can take medication, if I can take this diabetes medication and start eating better, eventually I can get off of the medication and, and let my body regulate itself. Are you following what I'm saying? So it's not the tool or the shortcut to, be, to, to, to not have to put your effort in. But it can be very helpful for people, particularly those that are dealing with major depression. Particularly those that are dealing with major depression. Here's the third way and the last way that I want you to see. Talk to someone. Talk to somebody. Talk to God about your healing. In your prayer time, don't forget to remind God that God, depression is not of you. Father, you're giving me strategies and keys and you're sending me to the right places to deliver me and get me out of this maze called depression. Talk to God about it, but also talk to your therapist about it. It's okay, believers. We, for all intensive purposes, that lady I was talking to was a therapist. She was a psychologist, but she's still, still therapy. It's a therapeutic moment. Save, sanctify, Holy Ghost fill. She delivered me without speaking in tongues. She helped deliver me without laying hands on me. That didn't stop my faith to believe that God was going to do something because she was the answer to my prayer. Amen. She was the answer to my prayer. If therapy doesn't work, then pick up the phone and call a professional. I have a number up there on the screen because, come on, you can stand to your feet. I have a number on, on the screen that I want everybody to write down if you are dealing with depression or if you have a family member dealing with depression. It's up to San Diego. 
up to SD, it's up to us if we're going to deal with mental health issues in our communities. It's up to us if we're going to deal with depression in our families. It is up to us. But pastor, today we didn't shout and today we didn't dance and today we didn't, we didn't. And pastor, you stopped us while we was going in and worship and all that. So y'all know what we are capable of doing here. We are always driven and led by the spirit of God here. And I don't make an apology for what God told me to teach today because the statistics are correct. The statistics are correct. That over 40, that, that 40 million Americans over the age of 18, that doesn't include our children. That doesn't include all the stuff that we put on our nine-year-old, your 14-year-old. It doesn't include that. This is just us, 18% of us. And only 37% of us will actually pick up this number and dial 888-724-7240. Only 37% of us are going to say, you know what? Let me find courage within myself to pick up the phone and just tell somebody, like, I, I'm not okay. I don't feel all the way together. And, uh, because, and, I, and I don't know why. Maybe we'll feel like we'll get the worst news. But what if you get the best news? What if somebody says, you know what? You are still on the range. Let's go sit down and talk with somebody. Up to SD, up to San Diego, we'll help you and they will guide you. You can call the church as well. We'll give you this number, but we have some other resources of places that we can point you to so that you can hear and get the kind of help that you need. We are not, listen to what I'm trying to tell you. We are not a facility that is capable of working through your depression. We can pray with you. We can stand with you in faith, we will, but we will guide you to someone who is a professional dealer. And if anybody at this church that doesn't have a license on they, in their house somewhere, don't you be running to their house talking about I'm about to get delivered from depression and then blame us six months later when you're back in the rat hole. Are you following me? Are you following me? 888 Four zero. That might be the most spiritual phone call you ever make if you're dealing with depression. Lift those hands. Bow your heads. I don't want you all to leave when we're done praying because we got. I want. I want you guys to celebrate a baby dedication with me before we head out. And Pastor Bill's gonna receive our tithe and our offering as well before we head out. But I want to pray for you. If you heard me today and you're saying, Pastor T, I hear you. And I have been wrestling with those symptoms. Or maybe you're saying, Pastor T, I know I'm depressed or I'm going through depression. Or maybe you're saying, Pastor T, I just want somebody to pray the prayer of faith with me. Because it feels like my world is caving in. I can't breathe. My chest is caving in and I can't find the key out. God just gave you three clues of how to get out today. If I'm talking to you and you're just saying, Pastor T, I just want a little prayer. While everyone's eyes are closed and heads are bowed, why don't you just slide into the aisle and come up? I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to lay my hands on you and be that person, a point of contact to pray with you. If that's you, if you're saying, I am working my way through depressive seasons, depressive moments, I am wrestling. I'm in depression right now. I want to pray with you. You can come down and just say, hey, I'll stand with you. I'll stand with you. I'll stand with you. I'll stand with you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I believe you're my And I believe. Is there any more? If there's any more, come down. Come now. Come now. Come now. Come now. If you're in the balcony, we'll wait for you, sir. We'll wait for you, ma'am. We'll wait for you. We'll wait for you. We'll wait for you. I believe you're my healer. I believe you're my Lift those hands and help us worship your love. Lift those hands and help us worship. If you're not at this altar, lift those hands. I believe your Father, I do bless you. And I give you.